God. Can we do that again for the Lord Jesus? Praise the Lord. Great to be back. You know, Pastor Reed is tall, so the pulpit is tall. Some of us, it's unfair. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So I'm, see what I'm doing? I'm tippy-toeing. Anyway. Thank you, Pastor V and Sister V, for having me back on Sunday morning. Always great to be back at BC and Sister Hughes and her team. You've done a great job. Her conference was great. Ten did get the Holy Ghost, and many more were healed. And strengthened for the journey. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I go back this afternoon. I fly back to our new home where we are pastoring a church in New York City. So pray for me <laughs> because I'll be leaving Mississippi for New York. I need prayer. <laughs> a lot of it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'd like to speak to you this morning from 1 Peter chapter 1. Media, I'm sorry I didn't give this to you. I keep doing that. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 8 and 9. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. Please turn to your about Thank you, media. I would like you to choose today. I think, I'm not sure whether I'm just speaking for the generation of today, but we, we are, as a people, we're exhausted. And maybe I'm not speaking for you. Maybe I'm speaking, I stay exhausted. We are exhausted. Why? Taking care of family needs, working two, maybe three jobs. In today's times, two or three jobs almost has become a necessity. Caring for the children, we stretch ourselves to do so much. And the truth is, we are often caught up in a joyless life because we are caught in what people call the rat race. Yeah, I think the rats in my backyard are jo more joyous than I am, though. <laughs> the truth is, we are often caught up in this life where there's no joy. It is just get up in the morning, drop them off at school, go to work and pick them up again, come to work, get the dinner ready. Whether you're a single mom, a single dad, or married, or whatever you, your situation in life might be. We're tired. It's just so much to do and, and less than 24 hours to do it in because we've also got to sleep at some point. If we're very fortunate. And we're trying to, in this, in this rat race, we're trying to get better as people, as a Christian, we're trying to get better on our own. And that is the trap. We're trying to get better without the help of God or without this external help that we have access to. He has made it accessible to us. But we try to get better on our own, trying to live by just rules. Rules are not bad. Rules are good because it, it ends chaos. Rules are good. Fences are good. But you cannot hope that rules alone will change you. I'm just going to just jump right to the point. It's not the will of God to struggle with depression twice a year. Some traditions I love. Thanksgiving is one of them. You know, Christmas is a great tradition. But please don't make depression a tradition. Don't make anxiety twice a year. It has to come. And usually it's around Christmas time anyway. I mean, the devil prances through our mind, our office, our home, our classrooms. He brings bills we cannot pay, grades we cannot make. 
He brings people in our lives we cannot please. Some of them we don't want to please, but we end up doing it. Because somehow we think that somehow everybody has to be happy. But let me tell you something. God has to be happy with me. I need to be happy with me. I need to be able to go to bed at night with less anxiety and more peace. And whatever I need to do to get there, I will. I've made up my mind that I need to get there. Amen, everyone. Sometimes we are faced with a future we don't want to face. But the joy offered by God is different than the one promised at a car dealership or shopping mall. You know when you get that new car? I know, maybe not you, but I have. I've actually, the whole day, I'm just smiling. Six months later, I'm not. Because I found that you know, there's something better or there's something wrong or it smells different. Or there's a ding somewhere. You know, and so, so, you know, but the joy offered by God is very different than the one that you would find in a shopping mall. God is not interested in putting a temporary smile on our face. He doesn't want, listen, he, it's not that he doesn't want you to be happy. He's not some mean, bitter God sitting up there thinking, I don't want you to be happy. Unless you're miserable, you're not going to make me happy. No, 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 no. But he's not interested in something temporary. Happiness is temporary. It's contingent on how much you have and whether all the kids are saved and whether the husband has made it or whether your marriage is really, really strong. Of course God wants all that for you. We want the kids to make it. We want our marriages to be saved. We want the kids to worship with us. If not in the same town, somewhere. But when that doesn't happen and you have hung your happiness on something or a situation or a particular set of circumstances, all that the devil has to do is change your circumstance and happiness gets out of the way. God is not interested in giving you a shallow happiness that melts in the heat of adversity. Jesus wants to give you a deep-seated, heartfelt, honest-to-goodness, ballistic, strong joy that can weather every tsunami in your life, whether whoever walks away from you or doesn't love you anymore or they fail or they disappoint you or your heart gets broken or the business gets shut down. You have made up your mind to be courageous and walk with God and that is joy. Joy is a made-up mind to walk with God. It's got nothing to do with a smiley emoji. That's happy. I don't know about you, but these emojis are beginning to annoy me. You're like, why? What's the matter with you? I don't know. There must be something wrong. Everybody is doing it. I will write two paragraphs to someone and I'll get a thumbs up at the end. What does that mean? You've read it? You're not interested? You'll do it later? You don't really care? I guess it's better than that. Another emoji. Some, I will write, uh, you know, some deep, deep things and, you know, uh, and, and uh, I'll, I'll, uh, God will give me a scripture, I'll write it to somebody and then I'll get a heart in return. That does that mean you're having a heart attack? What does it mean? I'm picking on us emoji lovers. I send them to. Now I cannot be bothered. Write to me four paragraphs. You'll just get a. <laughs> See how that feels. 
had fun at her. Yeah. I'm sorry the men missed it. <laughs> Maybe we should call it him next time. I'm sorry, but... <laughs> Peter referred to this joy in the opening words of his epistle. Whom? You have not seen, but still you love him. You, even, you don't even see him now, but you still believe in him. You rejoice with joy. You know what that is? If you cannot see some, uh, someone and you still love them, or you love God, you don't see him, you, you, you have never seen him, you don't even see him now, but you still believe. You know what that is? That's a made-up mind. He exists. It's not some illusion or delusion. He exists. I'm going to believe he's invisible, yet visible in so many ways. In every layer of my life, he's been visible. That's joy. Peter was speaking. You know when Peter was speaking these words, oh, you know, you haven't seen him, but you believe, you love him, and receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation. You know who he was speaking to? He was not speaking to people that had electricity in their home. He was speaking to persecuted Christians. But these Christians were different. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. People who had been driven from their cities. He was speaking to people who were separated from their families and persecuted for their faith. He was not speaking to people that had everything that you and I have. He was not speaking to people that can go into a room and flip a switch and there's light. Or you can put one of those little pods and there's fresh coffee. I still don't know how that works, but it works. I don't care how it works. It just works. You know, I can keep food cold in a box. Their rights had been taken. These people's rights, have, their property had been taken. Their possessions had been confiscated. Their future had been destroyed. But their joy, they kept their joy. Because a joy is not that smiley face emoji. The joy is a flint-like determination. You have set your jaw. You have made up your mind to follow him no matter what. So are there days... If there are days you don't feel like smiling, but you're at church, you've got joy. You may not be happy. Maybe you're not happy because somebody somewhere has broken your heart or disappointed you, discouraged you. Someone somewhere in your life has messed up, including you. But you are here and you've made up your mind that today might be the turning point. Today God is going to do it. And if he doesn't, I'm still going to believe. I don't see him, but I love him. I believe in him. That's the kind of joy. That is the definition of joy. Not this smiling. There are days I don't feel like smiling. But I've made up my mind that no matter what, I'm going to walk with him. Oh, come on, church. If you have that kind of joy, you've got to stand up, lift up your hands, and thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for that kind of joy. That kind of joy is courageous because it looks at the weird and strange and horrible things of life and gets a hold of life and gets a hold of God and doesn't let go. That's the kind of joy I want. What's been taken from you? Your health? I know people that their health has been taken away from them. They're in either hospice. I've got a very good friend of mine in hospice right now. 
They don't expect that she'll make it. You wouldn't think so if you go and talk to her. She's going around talking to everybody else in hospice. She's trying to save the staff. I think some of the staff want her to go quick. No, I'm just kidding, but you know, seriously. I mean, that lady is relentless. I went and visited her, and she was just talking and smiling and everything. And then the Lord reminded me, said, you know, she's got joy. You don't think she's happy because she's dying, do you? No. She's not. Nobody's happy dying. But then if you're joyful facing death, you've got it. You've got it. You've got that message. You've got the gospel deep inside of you. And it cannot be shaken. And you cannot explain why, which is why Peter said it is unspeakable. It is joy because you cannot describe it. You don't know how to do it. Why are you so happy, Mabel? Does anybody called Mabel here? I wasn't referring to you. I'm sorry. I hope you're full of joy, though. And um, why are you so happy, Mabel? She said, well, I'm not happy. I'm not happy all the time. I'm in pain. I'm in pain, and, 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 and there are days I can't sleep, and there are days I don't want to wake up, and there are days I'm wondering why God's taking so long. Come get me. I said, you're not happy. She said, no. I said, but you're smiling and you're talking to everybody. She said, because I know the knowledge of when this life ends, another one starts. A good one. Where there's no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow. Joy. So what has been taken from you? Your health? Your house? Have you buried a dream? Did I ever share about my dad's funeral here? at all in a, in a testimony. I think I described how he got saved. I'm not sure whether I talked about how he died. Dad uh, was filled with the Holy Ghost. I think I shared my testimony. Was filled with the Holy Ghost, was baptized. I mean, he just, he would just text me five times a day. And I'm thinking, Dad, I know you've got the Holy Ghost, but this is really a bit much. I mean, my phone is dinging away in the middle of the night. No, I'm just kidding. But I loved hearing from him. And he would just text me scriptures. My father, who was a Hindu for so many years, would text me scriptures. He, the Lord said this. And the Lord, I had a dream. I said, well, that's wonderful. That's the, the, that's the thing that I miss about him the most. You know, his text messages to me till today. He was my best friend. Well, he had cancer, and he passed away eight years ago. And, well, the rest of the family, you know, at that time, my, my brothers were saved. But my mother wasn't, and my mother still isn't, but she's getting so close. Uh, from the last time I shared my testimony, she's even closer. So that's great. But, um, but the rest of the relatives were all, you know, they were people of a different faith, a different religion. So there it is, my father's funeral. I fly down. I'm there. I'm actually there in the hospital when he was still alive. And then I fly back, and then I fly back again. And... Um, and, and I'm there at the funeral, and there's Hunt, because he was very well known, and he was very loved, and especially after getting the Holy Ghost, he made more friends than at any time before, because he was just, he would just go around hugging everybody, you know, homeless people, the neighbor, and they'd be like, what is the matter with this man, you know, and so, so when he passed away, many people came, and I was so upset and mad, I'm telling you, I didn't feel happiness or joy. That day, not because he passed away. I mean, of course, I was very, very sad that he, he left. But, but um, I was upset because it wasn't a Christian funeral. 
was, it was a funeral of a different religion. And the priests of the temples were coming in and taking over. So I got just mad. I sat in the corner and pouted. Pastor, I'm sorry. I sat there and I was like, man, this is so unfair, God. He died. He received your spirit. He died a believer. And he cannot have a decent Christian burial. These Hindus are going to come take over. What's up with that? You know, Indian people, they go somewhere, every hotel, motel. <laughs> you know, comfort in. <laughs> Days in. Motel six. You go in. I know it's a cousin or something. But <laughs> good for me. I, I might get a discount. No, it never happens. Every Patel owns a hotel. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I can say it and get away with this. Yeah. You can't. Yeah, you can. 7-Eleven. No, I'm sorry. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow, that was so not PC. I hate PC anyway, so. Um, political correct, sorry. What? You know, what politically correct. Thank you for asking. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. I thought it was portable computer. <laughs> Until somebody told me, but no, it's politically correct, dummy. Not me. So, um, and, and so, you know, I was sitting there. The priests were coming in, taking over ordering everybody around, trying to order me around. I'm like, I'm not even listening. I'm, forget it. So I'm sat in the corner, and I was pouting, you know, and, and just talking to God and not talking to God, being mad at God, you know. So right in the middle of the funeral service, if you want to call it, I mean, it was their kind of service, an uncle of mine who was also, well, he was a lawyer, but he was also a priest. I mean, that's what they do. They, they are professionals in the daytime and in the evening, they're priests. But that's part of the tradition and the culture. So my uncle was talking to my mother something, and my, my mother looked towards me and, and beckoned to me. I went towards her. My uncle, who was one of the chief priests, said, we want to give you about 20 minutes and you can speak something for dad. And I'm like, okay. I was mad, you see, and you know, anger just clouds your whatever. It clouds your judgment. It clouds your ability to discern the mind of Christ. It really does. So my mind was cloudy and foggy, and I was like, talk about what? You know, and the Lord, you know, usually he's like this with me, like always shaking his head. I can imagine. He's shaking his head. He said, talk about me. 20 minutes. Of course, I ran upstairs to the guest bedroom where I was situated, grabbed my Bible, ran back down again and says, I think I know what to share. My mother looked at me doubtfully. She knew me. She looked at me doubtfully. She said, you're not going to do anything controversial, are you? <laughs> Who, me? No. <laughs> no. No, I'm not controversial. I'm Christian. It's a different kind of sea. <laughs> so, <laughs> we Christians. Anyway, 
So I, I, I took the Bible and everybody was seated down. The priest was on one side. All the family was on the other. I opened the Bible and I went to talking about why dad was full of joy. So I talked about the Holy Ghost. I said, God, dad received the Holy Ghost a few years ago and he was a changed man and he went around loving everybody. The reason why half the neighborhood is here today is because they saw the changes that God brought to his life. He was full of joy. And if you want all that anger and misery and all of that to disappear from your lives, I told my cousins, my uncles, my aunts, the neighborhood that was sitting there, you want all that to disappear, you need a good dose of the Holy Ghost. Then you'll have joy. It's as simple as that. Really. The priest just were glaring at me. I didn't even look at them because I would have lost my nerve. So they were just glaring and they didn't have joy. They were just mad at me right now. And, I, and they were glaring at me and, and my, uh, my cousins were just staring at me. My mother had her head in her hand. And, and then it was over. There was not a lot of response from that, from whatever I shared. But I saw one or two people wipe a tear or something, and I was like, okay. And I said, that is why my dad today, he's not in an unhappy place. He's in a place where there's no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more sickness. He's in a place of eternal joy. He's in the presence of God, and he will live there for thousands of years, rejoicing and worshiping Lord Jesus Christ. There. I said it. That's my 20 minutes. Thank you so much. I closed my Bible and I walked away. The funeral was over. They took my father's body away and the funeral was over and people were just eating and then, and then slowly people began to leave. I was about to go to bed that night and several of my aunts and uncles and cousins, it was a big house, so they all stayed the night and they were going to leave the next day. One of my cousins walked over to me and she said, so what you're saying is, for me to be joyful, I need God in my heart, in me. I said, yes. Yeah, actually pretty much that's what I said. He, she said, why would God, why would God want to come and live in me? And I looked at her and I said, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just glad he does. I'm just thankful he does. He could have lived in a table, but he chose me. He could have just gone, he just could have just forgotten about me, but he chose to live in this vessel of clay and renew my life and make me whole and regenerate me and one day justify me so that I could live with him and worship him forever and ever. He wanted me to be born of the spirit, born of water. So I really don't know, but I'm glad he does. Now, and I, I'm not going to reveal her name, but I'm just going to, so, so do you want it? I was actually a little bit tired as well, but, <laughs> you know, it was a long day. And, uh, and she was like, and I was desperate. She's like, yes, I want it. I mean, you I said, he loves you. So he wants to live with, and with you and in you. He said that he doesn't want to leave you as an orphan, that he will come to you and he will dwell inside of you. If God can do that for you, how privileged are you? Do you want this? She said, yes, what do I do? I said, come to the guest room. 
because everybody else was downstairs. I didn't want any hindrance. Got to be wise. So I took her up to my room, and I shared with her the word again, and I put a little bit of music in that room. I had, there was this um, CD. I, I just put it in, and, and, they, and she began to just cry, and she began to feel the, the, the presence of God, and, and a few minutes later, she was talking in tongues as God filled my cousin in a funeral home. God filled her with the Holy Ghost. Oh, come on, church. This was a Hindu funeral. God found, God found a lost person in a Hindu funeral. Nothing is going to stop him from giving you joy if you want it. If you want it, you can get it today, this morning. There were 10, there were 10 women that desperately wanted God's joy. Some of their stories they shared with me during her. One or two of them shared their stories with me. There's a lot of misery and pain in their stories. But they wanted God's joy. God filled them with his joy. With the Holy Ghost. Ten of them. How many here, you would like joy in your life. But you've never, you, not that you've never had it. But then you wish that you were just full of joy right now. How many here? No, really, if you could just lift up your hands, that you would like joy in your life. So I'm assuming that those of you, not your hand up, you don't, you don't really want it. Okay. Uh, but if you would like joy, would you come up and receive an infilling of his spirit when I'm done? Amen. Those of you who lifted up your hands. Can I see those hands again, please? Because we want to pray with you. Amen. Have you buried a dream? And she was not the only one who got the Holy Ghost. There was another relative of mine that, that came and uh, he was talking to me about how close my dad and he were. He was, a, he, was a, he was related to us and he was talking about it. Well, I said, well, you could receive the Holy Ghost. And he said, well, what happens when I receive? I said, just have to worship God, repent, worship God, and then and God will fill you and you will begin to speak in the language of men and angels. An unknown tongue. It's not some weird thing. It's not gibberish. It's a real, it's a real experience. An external evidence of something happening inside of you. And so he, he, he didn't get the Holy Ghost in the funeral home that day. He goes back home. A few days later he calls me. And he says, hey, yeah. I was, uh, I was in my apartment. I said, yes. Well, okay. He said, I was, uh, I was about to go and take a shower. And, and I don't know what happened to me, but I am pretty sure that I began to speak in Swahili. <laughs> Do you speak Swahili? He said, that's just it. I don't. What happened? I said, well, you told me that I needed to repent. So I just said, Lord, I give you my life. I don't know all the bad things I've done, but I hope you forgive me. And then I just began to sing and all of that. And all of a sudden, these words came out. And I promise you, it sounded like Swahili. Does he give Swahili when the Holy Ghost comes? <laughs> well, I don't know. He might. I'm not sure. But it's an unknown tongue. So the thing is, I'd like to come over to your apartment and just pray with you. So I went, prayed with him, and he spoke again. And then he stops halfway, looks at me and says, does that sound like Swahili? I said, like, can you just keep... 
I'm telling you, living for Joyce is so fun. Living for Jesus is so fun. It is. I mean, you meet all kinds of people. And he began to worship God, and God had filled him with the Holy Ghost. So he said, what do I do now? I said, you need to go in the water. You need to complete the gospel in you, and you need to uh, obey the gospel, so you need to be baptized. He said, okay. So, um, we, well, there was no baptistry there where he lived, and I mean, he had a bathtub, but he was too tall. to. So anyway, uh, my husband, I contacted him, and I said, what do we do? He said, well, we'll find a local church. So we went, we found, and there was a baptistry in the church. He gets baptized. My uncle, um, th this particular uncle gets baptized, and uh, he comes out of the water, and he says, you know I'm divorced. He said, yes, I'm going to call my ex-wife. And I'm like, why? He said, because she needs this. <laughs> I said, good. Just don't tell her that way. So he calls his ex-wife. I mean, they, they're in talking to him. He calls his ex-wife. Ex-wife comes, meets him, and then she gets the Holy Ghost. She gets baptized. They contact their grown-up son. The son, the son meets the mother, and the mother says, My goodness, you need this bad. And your girlfriend as well. Maybe then I'll accept her. But, and then... So he get, the son gets baptized and he gets re receives the Holy Ghost in the water. The entire family are serving in a church in that city. The entire family are serving in a church. God is even repairing that relationship. Joy. Joy. Have you buried a hope for a happy marriage? Have you buried a friend, a father, a mother, or worse, a child? And as you look at these burial plots in your life, is your joy buried there too? Let's go back to that cemetery. Let's leave everything else behind but dig up the joy that you buried there. Let's go get that joy that was buried there. See, let me tell you, when you substitute courageous joy for contingent happiness, you set yourself up for unbearable disappointment. Contingent happiness, as I said earlier, is dependent. It's contingent upon all of your circumstances or most of it looking good. Contingent happiness says, I'll be happy when, fill in the blanks. I'll be happy when I have a new home. I'll be happy when I have a new relationship. I'll be happy if this person doesn't leave me. I'll be happy if I'm healed. It would last as long as the circumstances don't change, but a new house will get old, my friends, and relationships can disappoint and hurt. And by the time you've reached old age, you have ridden a roller coaster ride of hope, disappointment, hope, disappointment, hope, disappointment, hope, disappointment. I'm tired of that. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be in a roller coaster of hope and disappointment. Hope and you're like, well, that's life. True. And there might be times when I've got to be that. And I, have, I, I might experience that. But I tell you what, throughout that hope and disappointment, one consistent thing that I want is God's joy. That throughout hope and disappointment, I want one thread to go throughout all my life, all my day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, every day. I I want that consistent thread of joy throughout my day, throughout my week, throughout this year. Nothing else is going to give you that joy. Not politics, not legislation, nothing will give, that will give you happiness maybe. Yeah, if a, one side wins and another side loses, that might give you momentary happiness or frustration depending on which side you're at. But joy, joy is there no matter what's going on. Courageous joy. Courageous joy turns us into strong, powerful people. Because we're not moved by every wind of anything. 
we're not moved. Courageous joy sets the hope of the heart on only one person, Jesus Christ. And because he doesn't change, then my joy will never change. And you cannot separate Jesus uh, from, and you cannot be separated. The Bible actually promises that you cannot be separated from Jesus. And so if you're in Christ, this joy can never be taken from you. That was his promise. This joy will never be taken from you. If you're in me, if you abide in my words and you abide in me, the joy will never be taken from you. Death cannot take joy away from you because Jesus is greater than death. Because the keys of hell, death, and the grave are in his hand. So death, death cannot take joy away from you. Failure cannot take your joy because Jesus is greater than your sin. Sickness cannot take your joy because God has promised to heal you. Jesus promised no one, no one and nothing will take away your joy. That's in John 16. When I was literally thrown out of my parents' home for believing in Jesus Christ. Literally thrown out. My father just, well, he just said, get in the car. We'll drop you off anywhere you want. You're like, well, what kind of heartless? They were not heartless. They felt betrayed. So my circumstances, all of a sudden, from being a favorite daughter, when in 24 hours changed. Where they didn't want me around anymore. I brought shame to them. But there was this, this joy. I was sad for losing them. But there was this joy. There was this, I've got hope. He's going to take care of me. It's going to be okay. I wasn't smiling. I was crying, leaving my home. My mom, my dad, my brothers. I wept leaving them. There was no joy on my face. But my heart was full of a determination to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. We are going to make it. You're going to make it. Well, I tell you what though. Satan has a way of reminding you about your past. I mean, you're not good enough to serve God. You're not smart enough, pretty enough, strong enough, big enough. But let me tell you, you have a God who's strong enough, big enough, tall enough, powerful enough. You've got, that's joy. If you believe in that, that's joy. That's the kind of joy. I'm not saying your life will be storm free. No, we live on planet Earth. <laughs> we live in a, in, a, in a very unpredictable, especially now, extremely unpredictable, divided place. But I'm not saying your life will be storm-free or that sorrows will never come your way. But courageously joyful people have anchored your hearts to the shoreline of God. Will the boat rock sometimes? Sure. Will moods or fleshly desires come and go? No doubt. Will people that you love don't love you back? Yeah. Sure. But they have found a joy. These people have found a joy that remains courageous through the storm. Amen. We will rehearse thoughts and ideas that are not of God and become spiritually impotent if we don't have joy. If we don't have that joy, we will allow truth that will begin to be eclipsed by lies. We will realize that in our weakness, but if we have joy, we will realize that in our weakness, he is strong. That's what joy will produce. We're not going to look at our failures. We will look at his successes. We will not billboard where we fail. We will billboard where he is strong and that he's made things different and he's changed people's lives. And we may be forced to realize that our perception of God is something that we have conjured up and we have made up. And it's not the one true God at all. But this joy, this joy that can only come if you are filled to the brim with the Holy Ghost. I'm hoping that today, this morning, this is not a drive to join a church. It never was. That's not Bible. This is 
You want to call it a drive? Yeah. This is to compel. If you have never experienced that joy and that power that God can give you. That it is here and you can come and you can receive it. Then you can go and have lunch. And then you can just get a hold of life and get a hold of all that junky stuff that's trying to attack you and attack your family. You can get a hold of it by the jugular and say, you're not going to move me. My feet are anchored on his joy. You can wipe my smile away on Thursday, but I'm staying. I'm staying. I'm not going to settle. Enough of me settling and trying to get better and trying to make my family feel better just by my own ideas of what is right and what is wrong and living by rules. No, I want a red hot ballistic strong relationship with God that will weather the storms come what may. Let's stand. The Holy Ghost is going to help you believe that you are loved and empowered by the one who brought the universe into existence. With the mere sound of his voice, nothing is impossible for him. Those of you and those who did not raise your hands because you wanted this joy. Ten courageous women just came up in front and said, I don't care who's watching, I want it. And if you're one of them, would you step out in front very quickly, as soon as you can, if you want this joy. If you are visiting BC at Bethlehem Church this morning, and you're like not sure, as I said, you might be visiting, you might be a guest. Come forward. Let us pray with you before you go. We may not see you again, but at least we want to pray with you so you receive this joy unspeakable. Would you come as close to the uh, platform as you can so that others can join you at the back. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. How many here you want to be filled with the power of God? How many here you have heard you? Don't put your hand down, please. How many here when you've been filled? I want pastor to come because pastor being the shepherd of this church, he has the pulse of this church. And I always believe pastor gives the word of faith, I mean, something miraculous begins to happen. So I, I would like pastor me to come in a minute. But before that, and he's going to ask us to repent and he's going to speak that word of faith for us to receive the Holy Ghost. I know there's at least four or five individuals. This morning, God spoke to me and said, there's, there is a handful of people that are desperately wanting their lives to change. If they would step forward, I will change it. I will change it. If you are, if you feel that you might be one of the handful, would you come up in front? But I, who I'm asking is, also, if you've never heard yourself speak in that miraculous language of men and angels, that unknown tongue, if you've never heard yourself speak, would you come up in front? Ingrid.
What's your name, love? Christy and Viola are going to receive the Holy Ghost. You want to believe me for that? Okay, anyone else who have not heard yourself speak in an unknown language? What is your name? Brittany's going to get the Holy Ghost, y'all. All right. Oh, yeah, she's going to get the Holy Ghost. Pastor better come and give the word of faith quickly because otherwise these people are going to get the Holy Ghost like right now. Anyone else? Anyone else? I know there's someone else. Come up in front, and God wants to give you that joy. You don't have to feel ashamed. Oh, well, if I, if I, then people are going to think that I never had. No, no, no. If you need it, or if you received it some time ago, but you've not heard yourself speak in tongues for a long, long time, God wants to fill you. Come on. What's your name, baby? Nicole? Okay, Nicole's right here. All right, Nicole. What's your name, honey? Mississippi, everybody's got beautiful names. Mine's boring. I'm going to change it. I'm going to call myself Tennyson from now on. Something like that. <laughs> All right. All right. You ready? The rest, we're going to reach for God and invite the presence of His power and strength and glory into this place, just like it was when there was worship. When, when we were worshiping this morning, the presence of God filled this place. Pastor is going to give that word. God, according to the promise of your word, that you would pour your spirit out on all flesh. God, I release that anointing over this congregation. In the front, in the back, in the middle. God, as we open ourselves up in worship to you, that your presence would fill every mind, every heart, every soul. In the name of Jesus Christ, receive ye the Holy Ghost in the presence of the Lord today. Amen. You don't have to be right here in the very front to raise your hands and begin to worship God and let the baptism, a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost fall. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
Hallelujah. Can we lift our hands and worship him right now and thank him. Thank him sincerely for the aid that's received the Holy Ghost this morning. Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship him. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank him for the joy. Some of you have received fresh joy today. Thank him for it. Why don't you worship him sincerely for the joy of the Holy Ghost that's in your life right now. Come on, come on, come on, worship Him for the joy of the Holy Ghost.
did. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And, and I want to urge you right now to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. How many have enjoyed the word this morning? Are you thankful for the ministry of Sister Bonnie Marshall? Well, let, let her know that you're thankful for bringing the word of the Lord to us today. Hallelujah. 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 Everybody say six o'clock. Everybody say church. No, we didn't change church time. But church really starts at six in the prayer room. And then we'll come in here at 6.30 for worship in the Word. Be here tonight at 6 o'clock in the prayer room. We've got one getting baptized right now. One being baptized right now. Let's rejoice in that. Come on, let's clap our hands in the Lord and give Him praise for the eight that got the Holy Ghost and one being baptized right now. There's revival in the room tonight. Come back tonight at 6 o'clock for prayer, 6.30 for service. It's going to be an absolute awesome time in the Lord. You may be dismissed in Jesus' name.